This sermon, Generosity, was preached by Pastor Derek Overstreet on Sunday, April 23rd at Sovereign Grace Church, Tucson. Would you open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9? This morning, if you've been following along with us online or you've been here, you know that we have been going through our seven shaping virtues, marks of the gospel that the Spirit of God produce in our lives, both individually and collectively as a church. I hope it has been a blessing to you. I think we've looked at gratitude. What else we looked at? Don't feel bad because I can't remember right now either. (laughs) What's that? Humility, gratitude, and joy. This morning, we look at generosity. So uh, we're going to be focusing on 2 Corinthians 9, particularly verses 10 through 15, but I want to begin in chapter 8 for context, okay? So if you'll stand with me, with your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1. We're not going to read everything to chapter 9. Uh, We'll jump around a little bit here. 2 Corinthians 8. 8 verse 1. Paul writes this to the church in Corinth. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own free will begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged urged Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything... In faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. Chapter 9, verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness You will be enriched in every way for all your generosity, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not supplying the needs of the saints, or is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. 
By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, we pray now that you would act according to your nature and character. You are a generous God. That is seen clearly in our text this morning. And we ask now that you would, in a generous way, pour out your blessing upon your word, that you would pour out your favor, give us understanding. Lord, help us in our heads to understand these truths and cause them to move into our hearts in a way that are expressed in our words and deeds and affections. Lord, generously pour out your mercy on us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we are going to begin where Paul ends. We're going to begin at the end, if you will. Verse 15. Look at it one more time with me. Precious words. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. I think you know this, but let me remind you, his inexpressible gift is none other than his son his only son, Jesus Christ, whom he crucified. Isaiah 53, he crushed on the cross so that you would be accepted by him and live forever with him by grace through faith. And as we just read in chapter 8, verses nine, verse 9, Jesus became poor so you could become rich. I want you to just take a moment and allow that to sink in. Christ became poor so that you could become rich. You have received the greatest act of generosity anyone could ever receive the inexpressible gift of Jesus. Let that marinate for a moment in your mind. It's important that we begin here this morning because the truth in our text, the truth that is behind the challenging claim of our text, and there is a claim here on every one of our lives. And it is challenging. If we could kind of take the entire passage today and put it in one sentence, it would be this. Mission generosity marks us because divine generosity has made us. 
Mission generosity. That's what we're going to see in our text this morning. Mission generosity marks us. It should mark us. By the grace of God, it will mark us. And I am a grateful pastor who can say it does mark you as a church. It should mark us because divine generosity has made us. Our statement on the virtue of generosity hammers this home. You can find it on our website, but listen to it. The gospel of Jesus Christ is an act of cosmic generosity. The cross is the pulpit of God's love and the overflow of his grace and mercy to undeserving sinners. Thank you, Bob. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The demonstration of divine generosity continues because he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So, as beneficiaries of such generosity, we now have every motivation and grace to be generous likewise with our time, money, and talents on behalf of God's people and for God's mission. One thing that's clear in that powerful paragraph is that biblical generosity is not about the right season of life or the right reason to be generous about Generosity is always about the life-giving generosity of God in Jesus Christ. God is the ultimate generous giver, right? You may feel like you are a generous person. Well, you can't out-generous God. <laughs> he is the ultimate generous giver, and, and we can never lose sight of that because if we do, this is what happens, and this may be very well be what will is about to happen to all of us when we talk about generosity, giving of yourself and your things, giving it away, giving it to something other than yourself. Here's what happens, right? You know the little red guy <laughs> that has one, one piece of wardrobe in his closet, a red jumpsuit? For some reason, I guess he carries around a pitchfork. Weird, I know. No, I'm not talking about Sparky up the freeway. Over the next few minutes, he will stretch his little head up to your ears and say, you're generous? Don't listen to the preacher, man. You have served your church all your life. You deserve a break. You use what God has given you. Your time and your gifts. You're always giving, giving, giving. But is anybody really giving back? Don't listen to the preacher, man. Don't listen to the words of God. And what makes it worse is that there is this there, there is this thing called sin in our hearts, greed, selfishness, arrogance, self-entitlement. And it all with one voice 
screams at you, yeah, listen to the guy on your shoulder. He's right. So I just want to prepare you as we dig into this text. That has been the fight for me as I have studied this week. That, I'm sure, will be the fight for you even as you listen to what Paul has to say to the Corinthians and to us. Now, if you're familiar with 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, Paul, the context here, Paul is appealing to the church in Corinth to help a financially struggling church in Jerusalem. As we read, he begins in chapter 8 with the example of the Macedonian church's generosity, and it is an amazing example. They, they gave generously out of their extreme poverty. Next in, uh, next in chapter 9, verse 6, Paul then illustrates the idea of generosity with a short parable. We all know it. It's sowing and reaping. If you sow generously, you will reap generously, and the opposite. And then in verses 7 through 9, he goes through the characteristics of, uh, of gospel-centered generosity, right? Give with faith. Be generous with joy. Be intentional. And herein, including our verses this morning, which is going to get to the heart of it, herein we have the most comprehensive instruction on giving in the New Testament. And the heart of the message we have already visited. Mission generosity marks us because divine generosity has made us. Now just let me clue you in here. Uh, this, the, the immediate context is giving. It's financial giving. Paul is asking the Corinthian church for money. Okay, this sermon is not about money. This sermon is not simply about giving. This sermon is about generosity. As our website says, with your time, with your talents, and yes, with your money. And so I want to move toward this reality that mission generosity marks us because divine generosity has made us. I want to show this from the text in two ways. Point one, God gives generously to us so we can be generous givers. Scripture teaches many things about God. One characteristic, though, that is repeatedly emphasized directly or indirectly is that God is a generous giver. We see that clearly in passages like James 1.17 that says, all things belong to God. Let's start there. All things belong to God, and he is the giver of every good and perfect gift. Well, in a different way, we see the same thing in our text this morning. Notice verse 10 again. It says, in verse 10, he says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Paul begins verse 10 by saying, God supplies seed to the sower. It all begins with God. What we have all begins with God. That is God giving. When you think about your own giving, your own generosity, this is the front end of that. This is the beginning of that. God generously supplies seed to the sower. And the imagery here really 
I mean, it's, it's vivid, right? Paul is using imagery that they can relate to. A farmer in the field, bags on both sides, both hips, and he's walking the rows, and he's throwing seed. As he throws seed, no doubt, he is hoping for a great crop, a great harvest. This harvest will put food on his table. It will allow him to serve others and bless others. It will provide for his needs. But where does that seed come from? God supplies it, Paul says. You don't work in a hot, dusty field in overalls all day, but it's the same with you. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how talented you are. It doesn't matter how, how disciplined you are. It doesn't how, matter how great a sacrifice you make. It doesn't matter what kind of advantages you grew up with and what kind of advantages you didn't have growing up. It doesn't matter how oppressed you've been in this life. No matter how little or how much you have, you have it because God supplies it. The seed comes from him. Paul has already, the Corinthians have already heard this from Paul in his, in his first letter in 1 Corinthians 4, 7. When he said, what do you have that you did not receive? Now, Paul goes on at the end of verse 10. Look at it with me. To give us the prom, the, the, there's a promise connected. Not only does God promise to supply, but there's another promise here. He says that he will increase the harvest of your righteousness. What does that mean? He will increase. He will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Well, listen, righteousness here is the sowing, okay? It's the sowing. It's, it's the generous, generous giving. It's generous giving to the purposes of God. It's the, it's the Corinthians generous giving to Jerusalem so that the gospel will advance there as, and this is the key, as an expression of Christ at work in them. As an expression of Christ at work in you. Of the righteousness of Christ flowing out of you and pouring out of you into others. That's what biblical generosity is. It's about sanctification. For us, on a horizontal level, it's about sanctification. When we, when we are generous, it is the righteousness of Christ pouring out of us. It is us walking in the righteousness of Christ. So the point here of verse 10 is that God gives us what, what we have so that we can sow it back into his kingdom where he uses it for his redemptive purposes, furthering the righteousness of Christ. In the immediate context, the farmers are the Corinthians. The seed is their money. And the kingdom purpose is the preaching of the gospel in Jerusalem. So do you see what Paul's saying? Listen, I have provided for you 
Now, act accordingly with Christ in you and sow that seed generously. Give it away. But I want you to be very intentional about what you're giving it to. Give it to advance the purposes of the kingdom. Give it so that that small struggling church in Jerusalem doesn't shut down, but the gospel keeps getting preached, Jews keep getting saved, Gentiles keep getting saved, and the church continues to grow. Be generous toward my kingdom. That's the, the point here. And you and I aren't farmers, but as a church, we use what God has given us to advance the gospel around us. That's the purpose. It's a cycle. In fact, that's exactly what we see in verse 11. That's exactly, for me, when I first heard this, it was years ago. It was paradigm shifting for me in my understanding of giving. Notice what he says in verse 11. He goes on to say, you will be enriched in every way for all your generosity. Here's what Paul is not saying there. He is not saying God will bless you personally for your generosity. I hope he does. He doesn't promise what that will look like. But the point here is found in the way that you could translate 11a. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous in every way. God gives the seed. I sow it generously. There's fruit. He gives me more seed so I can keep being generous. <laughs> That's the way this work. God generously provides for you so you can generously pour into his kingdom. Listen, you know this, but there's a wildly popular teaching out there, right? It says, God generously gives to you so you can personally consume the things of this world and be happily fulfilled because after all, you are God's sons and daughters and he wants you to be happy, it's the prosperity gospel. It's a false gospel. And I say this humbly and aware, but for the grace of God, there go I. It is taught by false teachers. So when you hear that teaching, put the book down. <laughs> when you hear that teaching, go to another YouTube page. When you hear that teaching, Turn the channel. When you hear that teaching, humbly say, brother, you're wrong. <laughs> Let me share truth with you. Paul tells us right here in verse 11 why God gives generously. God gives generously so we can give generously back to him to advance his gospel for the renown of his son, Jesus. Listen, if you want to know why do I have what I have, there it is. Here it is, right here in the Bible. Right here in the Bible. The dean of the pastor, Sovereign Grace Pastors College, those used to say that. It's right there. Look, it's right there. See, right there. It's right there in the Bible. You have what you have so that you can sow into God's purposes generously. 
so that you can sow into his church and her mission generously. Uh, I saw an advertisement one time, this tunnels to towers. You guys familiar with that? It's it's actually a nonprofit that that helps fallen first responders and also believe fallen veterans, war veterans. But they have this commercial that they're bringing celebrities on board. It sounds like a great minute. It sounds like a a, a great cause. Uh, but they're bringing their their advert marketing with uh, big names, big celebrities. And so there's a big celebrity on there, and I think the founder and CEO of, uh, of the nonprofit, he is, um, he's interviewing. At one point, he's, he just looks at him and says, why have you chosen to join our mission? And this celebrity looks at him, turn, tilts his head, pauses, and says, is there anything better? To give to. Now, I want to scream at the TV. I think I did. Yes, there is! <laughs> Your cause is noble. Your cause is worthy in its own right. And I hope that there are people who are giving to that. But whether it's your time or your talents or your money, generous giving to the kingdom of God, motivated by the grace of Jesus Christ for the glory of God, is there anything more significant than you could, than you could give your time, your talents, and your money to? I humbly and eagerly submit to you, there is not. There's not. And in part, I think that's what Paul's saying to the Corinthians and us. Paul's not afraid to go to them and say, guys, be generous. He didn't tell the Macedonian churches who gave beyond their ability and say, not wise, not prudent. And it's all anchored in this, the inexpressible gift of Jesus Christ. In fact, that gift transforms us. This this is what the gospel does. This is the effect of Christ in us. I love the quote by C.S. Lewis. Uh, I believe it's from his book, The Weight of Glory. He says, we are half-hearted creatures, you've heard this before, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are too easily pleased, he concludes. And I think, that's, I think that's so true. Too often, we, I am the person in the slum playing in the mud when it comes to my generosity toward the kingdom of God. Too often, we live fixed We live fixed on the horizontal, right? We are driven every day by our daily needs. They're ever before us. We are motivated by our subjective senses. Our sufferings hem us in, cause us to to circle the wagons, 
right? We all, we all know it because we've all experienced it. Maybe you're there right now. Maybe you're not there right now, but you were a year ago or you will be in a year. But we tend to live right here on this level. We tend to live in the temporary. We tend to think that everything, the value and the worth and, and whatever is worth my, my investment, it, it's right here. We live. And in doing that, we live as the world lives, as if this is all there is. But the inexpressible gift of Christ comes in and gives us a new identity with a new purpose and new desires. There's a newness that comes. The moment that you believe in the gospel, you are a new creation. You now think differently than this world. You now have a new purpose. You have a cosmic cause. Now, not that all causes are bad. I, I, I frankly think that Tower to Tunnels is pretty great. So don't get me wrong. Be generous if, if you feel led to be generous to T2T. But advancing the gospel through the local church so that sinners will be saved. That's what you have been raised to. The gospel changes the game for you. You no longer live down here. You live up here. In fact, Ephesians 2 says you've already been seated in the heavenlies with Christ. It's a game changer. And here's the biggest reason that it's a game changer. The inexpressible gift of Christ gives us a new identity with a new purpose and a new desire. You ready for it? You ready for it? Here it is. Look at verse 11. Our generosity to others magnifies our generous God. Look what he says in verse 11. You will be enriched in every way for all your generosity, which through us, listen to this, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Notice he didn't say, the numbers will rise in your church. He didn't say that. He didn't even say, sinners will be saved. He simply said, your generosity will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints. Paul says, listen, yeah, that's important. But is also overflowing many thanksgivings to God. By their approval, that is the church in Jerusalem, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God. Why? Because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ, which, which your generosity of all your contributions for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. I just love this. This is not what I expected. <laughs> it's not what I expected. Paul's a church planner. Guys, I do not want to see that church go down. 
It's too important. Jerusalem is too strategic. It's too big to fail. That's not what Paul says. Paul says, at the end of it all, he has instructed, he has laid forth an example of the Macedonian churches, which, by the way, includes Philippi. He has taught them with a parable and unpacked that parable. And now he says, this is why it's so important. It will produce thanksgiving to God. In verse 12, he says, your generosity will supply the needs of your brothers in Jerusalem. Did you know what he says in verse 14? He says, your generous giving will create a bond of affection and care between you and the saints in the Jerusalem church. Horizontal fruit and effect, right? Though they are separated by geography and culture, the Corinthians' generosity will create this fellowship with the church miles away, marked by what? The saving grace of God at work in them. We have this. We do. We have a church in, in another hemisphere, in Santa Cruz, Bolivia, where there is an affection between you and them, though you have never seen most of them, though you may never meet any of them, though you may never go to Santa Cruz, there is an affection that you have. There is a bond that has been created as you have invested in them, in the gospel mission there. They are meeting as a church still today in part because of you and even the offering that you gave two years ago. They may not have made it, and I know that on good information. There is a, an affection that has been built. I promise you, they thank God for you. There's an affection that has been built in our church plant in Santa Ana as we sent a young man who we certainly could have used here, but God was calling him to something else, and so you gave him up. In following the Lord, you said, go, follow the Lord's will so that the gospel would be preached in Santa Ana. And there is an affection there. I know, Tim knows, when we have went there to preach, we hear it, we feel it. When Kyle comes here and he preaches, you experience it. That's good. But... But your generosity also produces, verse 11, thanksgiving to God. And verse 12, many. That's Paul's word and the inspiration of the Spirit. He, he wants it, many, not just thanksgiving, many thanksgivings. Did you notice? That is in the plural, many thanksgivings to God. The horizontal value of their generosity, precious, Yes, but their generosity also moves the beneficiaries to look in gratitude to the ultimate generous giver, God himself. And the effect is clear in verse 13. By their approval of your generous giving of this service, they will what? They will not only give thanksgivings to God, they will glorify God. They will glorify God. They will promote God. Be it your time, talents, or money, 
Don't overlook this. Be it your time, talents, or money. Listen, don't you dare underestimate grace-motivated generosity, especially towards a church and her mission. Resist rebuking someone for being too generous toward their church. Think twice. No, th- no, think three times. No, actually, think four times. About complaining to your pastors because they're asking you to be generous in every way. Why? Why? Verse 13, God's glory is at stake. God's glory is at stake. That's what this is about. God uses your generosity to produce praises to the glory of his grace in Jesus Christ. That's that's what happens when you're generous with your time by serving in your church. You're not just giving, well, we don't give out bulletins anymore. (laughs) You're not just making coffee. If you're motivated by Christ in you, if you're serving to bring glory to him, that's exactly what's happening. Even as you simply arrive a little early and make a cup of coffee. That's what happens next Sunday when you come and you come ready to give generously to the April offering. It's not about the amount. It's about being generous. And it's not just about being generous. It's about being generous toward the kingdom of God. And it's not just about being generous toward the kingdom of God. It's about being generous toward your local church where God has placed you in mission in his kingdom. Let me warn you, you know this. When you give generously to this, don't expect respect from the world. That they're not going to respect you. If you're out for respect, the world's not going to give you respect. If you go tell your, ne- your unbelieving neighbor, yeah, I gave 20% to my church this year. You did what? The world won't respect you for your kingdom generosity. It will probably rebuke you. It will probably reject you. What a fool. What a waste. Yep, Derek and Donna drank the Kool-Aid. That's okay. Gives me an opportunity to explain. Preach Christ, share Christ. But it also reminds me of the transforming power of the gospel. You see... We don't live for the dot in life. We live for the line of eternity. 
Listen, the dot, at one time, that's what you lived for. And I understand if that's you this morning, you don't know Jesus, that's what you live for. And so, so it makes sense to pour all your generosity into the things that only that dot contain. I get it. Paul would get it. He himself said, right? Hey, eat, drink, and be merry if this whole gospel thing isn't true. It's logical. It's reasonable. It's a plausible argument. But the moment you believed in the gospel, you were raised up out of that dot, and you now live for the line. As Paul said, you are not a citizen. Your citizenship is in heaven. And in these passages, this is why, this is one implication of being called out of this world to do with every ounce of our being all that we do generously with what he has supplied to us. And at the end of the day, we call that promoting God's glory. Oh, that's not my term. That's actually Paul's term. That's what he says in verse 13. Your generosity leads to the glory of God in those who you gave to. Paul Barnett then warns us, or not warns us, but he says, don't miss out. He says, when we opt out of giving, then we deny ourselves the honor of promoting God's glory. God, whatever you have, a little bit or a lot, you have it because God gave it to you. And he gave it to you so that you could sow it into his purposes. All of this is going somewhere. It's going to every soul chosen by God before the foundations of the world around the throne of God declaring the praises we heard it this morning worthy is the lamb and God has a specific way of getting us there and none of us sit on the bleachers we're all on the team and he says I give you this so that you can take it and sow it into my kingdom so that others will come into my kingdom. So give generously, knowing that you give. You give to the one thing that you can give to that will never have ending. Listen, your house... It gets old. Trust me, mine is getting old. <laughs> Your car will break down. Your clothes will wear out. Please buy clothes. <laughs> I hope you have a roof over your head. But as Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. As Jesus says, don't, 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 don't store up your treasures where thieves and moths rust 
destroy. There's a better investment plan. Sow them into my kingdom because it's eternal. There are no thieves. There are no moths. There is no rust that can destroy. This week I have been freshly reminded and made grateful at how true this is of our church in so many ways. And remember, this isn't simply about giving. This is about your time. This is about your talents. Giving of your money is just one expression. But from the most generous to the least, we all still have room to grow. Do you know why I can say that without knowing exactly how generous you are? Because we're not in heaven yet. (laughs) Sin in your heart still abounds. Temptation to, "Mm, not this time. Oh, I'm going to take a break from serving for a while. I got a lot on my plate, so I just don't have the time to give to the church right now. Well, I'm using my talents over there. Don't know how I'm really going to fit in my local church. Oh, well, you know, it's kind of tough financially, so we're just going to sit this April offering out. That's all real. That is all real. It's real in my heart. It's real in your heart. And 2 Corinthians 9 2 Corinthians 8 and 2 Corinthians 9, and in particular, 2 Corinthians 9, 10, 15, they come into that. They burst into your heart and say, no, do exactly the opposite. Give, give generously, trusting. What did Paul say in verse 11? God will enrich you in every way so that you can keep giving. You can never outgive yourself because God keeps giving to you so that you can give even more. So you can never exhaust your giving. Nobody in this room can say, yeah, we give enough. Okay, well, I, I don't give enough. God keeps giving to me. And he says, I keep giving to you because I want you to keep giving. So let me, allow me to help direct your growth and generosity in four Simple, practical questions. Is there, is there a ministry in your church that needs your talents? Is there a ministry right here that needs the talents that God has given you? Be generous. Don't get caught up in, well, I don't want to serve too much. Hey, listen, you know what? The great thing is people around you will let you know if they think you're serving too much. (laughs) Bro, you know, you got a wife and a family over here, so I mean, (laughs) don't worry. That's the way we live with each other. Just serve. Go ask your pastor. Go ask a ministry team, where do you need my time? Where do you need my talents? I want to generously give of it. Oh, it might mean that take a few less motorcycle rides, you play a few less rounds of golf, you spend a little bit less time vacationing, 
But we're talking about the line. <laughs> we sang that song. Is he worthy? Yes, he is. Well, that was bad. <laughs> he is worthy. He is worthy. Is he worthy of your generosity? He is. He is. We're going to sing that song to close. Uh, we're going to sing that song to close. Great. Excellent. Thank you, Rick. Sorry. Put you on the spot. <laughs> Is your brother or sister in your community group, is there a brother or sister in your community that needs your time? They're struggling. They need you to to reprioritize just just an evening of your week so they they can sit with you and let you speak into their life and let you encourage them with the grace of Jesus and pray for you. Is there somebody who just needs you to take the time and pick up the phone just once a week and say, brother, how are you doing? Is there an unsaved neighbor or coworker that needs your time so that they can hear about your Savior? Is there a giving opportunity that could use your generosity. There is the April offering next Sunday. Come, ready to give generously, whatever that looks like. No matter how generous you've been this year, come, ready to give generously. Listen, by the power of God toward us, In the grace of God at work in us, we are called to strive to be generous in every way with everything the Lord has given us. And we do that knowing that the Lord will enrich us for such a task. And so there's no fear here. The Lord will do it. Indeed, he already has. Because let me remind you of the greatest act of generosity that could ever come your way. Verse 15, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift.